Although we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. For life and death is in the power of the tongue. Give us this power, Lord. Give us this power, Lord. Amen. Episode 5 of the Warriors Creed. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this weekly podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated. From the bottom of my heart, I want to encourage you and remind you to continue to invite others to listen in, to subscribe, or to follow. Because so many people need to hear the information that I share. So many people in this world are struggling. And they don't know how to cope with depression or anxiety or overcome their self-limiting beliefs. I myself have also been in that position to where I've struggled with depression, anxiety, in self-limiting beliefs. Which is why I took so much interest in it to actually study the field of psychology or behavioral science to understand why people feel the way they feel and what I could do to help them. I also went to school for exercise science so I can understand the physical body and how it works. My first degree was in theology, so I understand the spiritual aspects of things. So now I have a passion for the mental aspect. I believe in holistic health and I want everybody to be holistically whole and well, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I had some sad news today. Well, I received some sad news today. I, I noticed that one of my friends who I've been following on Instagram and other social media outlets who was also an IFBB pro um, took her own life. She hasn't competed for the past couple of years and I'm saddened at the news that I heard. I seen her struggle a lot because she posted a lot and about her struggles. She would be publicly attacked by people and she would go from relationship to relationship and 
I could hear her cry for help. I befriended her and I've tried to reach out to her before. And her death is completely unexpected. Although now I clearly see the pattern, I never expected her to go this far. And to be honest, I don't want to see anyone else take their life or lose their life at an early age or unexpectedly. unexpectedly. I just want to read you some stats real quick. Suicide is a 10th leading cause of death in the U.S. It's the 17th leading cause of death in the world. The second leading cause of death between the ages of 15 and 29. One person dies of suicide every 40 seconds. Males are four times more likely to commit suicide. Women are three times more likely to attempt it. So let me go back on that. Males are four times more likely to be successful. Men tend to be more successful at completing the task than females are. 48,344 suicides happen a year in the U.S. Over 800,000 happen yearly worldwide. However, 10.6 million adults think about committing suicide every year. 3.2 make a plan. But 1.4 million attempted. Listen to those numbers again. 10 million people think about committing suicide every day. And out of that number, in the U.S., only 48,000 are successful. Out of the world, only 800,000 are successful. But 10.6 million people in the U.S. think about committing it every day. 41% of trans adults attempt suicide. Suicide is linked to depression. 
over two thirds of the people who commit suicide are extremely depressed. They don't want to die. They just want the pain that they feel within to end. They don't understand how to take the pain away. They feel like they don't have anyone to talk to. No one that's willing to listen to what's going on inside of them. So it's sad and tragic when so many people end their lives abruptly. And it's not even only happening just in regular society. It happens at a high number in the churches. I wrote about in my book that's coming up, that's coming out in September, that a high number of pastors also commit suicide. But the sad thing is, is that most people, most people don't get the help they need when they're going through depression. 264 million people worldwide struggle with depression. In the U.S., it's 40 million adults and 2 million children. 2 million children between the ages of 3 and 17 struggle with depression. This is a global phenomenon. And it's sad. It's heartbreaking. And I wish I could have done more. This is the reason why I wrote the book that I wrote. So people can read and change their perspective of life. And they can have a deeper understanding to know that they are of value, that they are loved, and that they have a purpose. I give them insights of how they can ease the pain and heal from the trauma of their past or the trauma that they're actually going through at that point in time. See, depression always is with the past. We're stuck in the past. Even anxiety has to do with the past because when we feel anxious about something, we're having a thought about what has already happened in the past. So if I'm getting up to speak and I'm nervous and, and I'm thinking about that time when I was five years old that people laughed at me, so that brings up anxiety for me speaking, but at the same time, it's a past thought that gives me those, an those anxious nerves. So even when we feel anxiety, it's linked to past experiences. 
But I had to bring those numbers up before we started the show today. Because I wanted us to understand how serious depression is and how precious life is. And that it's our responsibility to look out for one another and support one another and not put each other down. So once again, I'm going to ask that you share this podcast. If you happen to buy my book, and I'll announce when it's coming out and where you can get it because it's going to be sold on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, it's going to be um, on Kindle. And I'll let you know when it comes out. But make sure you look out for your friends and your family. Because we don't know what day will ever be someone else's last day or ours. So I just want to remind everybody that if I physically don't know you, never seen you, and you're just listening in, you are loved. And I may have never met you, but I created this podcast for you. I didn't care if there was one person that was listening when I started this podcast. If I can change one person, then that's enough. That matters. It's better to do something than to do nothing. So today is going to tie in with all that because we're going to go to part two of dealing with self-limiting beliefs. So let's do a quick recap of what we've talked about. We've talked about the three principles of change. The first principle is to raise our standards. Changing, understanding our values, which is our thoughts, and raising our standards, which means to change our behavior once our thoughts change. Then number two is limiting beliefs, which is what we're going on over today. Then number three is change your strategy about how you do things in life. That's what we're going to be going over. So today we're going to be talking about limiting beliefs. Next week, we're going to go into strategies. So remember that our beliefs are a thermostat that regulates what we accomplish in life. I'm going to say that again. Our beliefs are the thermostat that regulates what we accomplish in life there's an old proverb that says a wise man will be the master of his mind and a fool will become its slave until we learn to believe in ourselves 
no one else will. We must stop looking for other people's approval. When we look for approval from others, we self-depreciate ourselves. When we put people on a pedestal, we actually unconsciously tell ourselves that they're better than us and that we're not good enough. So we start dealing with insecurity and unworthiness and we start to question ourselves and having self-limiting limiting beliefs because we keep comparing ourselves to the lives of others. And that's the trap. When we look at the lives of others, we should always look at it with equanimity. No one's greater than us. And we are not greater than anyone else. We are all made and we are all equal. We all have different talents, different gifts, but we all have the same value. And we lose our sense of self when we start comparing ourselves to other people. When we start looking at what other people have and what we don't have. And then when people start to attack us, we do the opposite. We become defensive, prideful, and then we start to project our values onto other people. And we start to put them down. So it's either we inject someone else's values inside of us, or we project our values onto other people. And we should never do neither. We should allow each person to live according to their values and not sit in judgment and we shouldn't compare ourselves to the lives of other people. We have to learn to love ourselves, not one from self-worship, but one from appreciation of knowing that we were fearfully and wonderfully made and that we have a purpose and we have to look within ourselves. We were created to operate from the inside out and not from the outside in. We lose our focus when we focus on so many external things in this world. And we start comparing ourselves to the haves and start saying that we are the have nots. We have to learn how to find our value and live our truth within and not not be worried about the opinions of other people. There was a seed that was planted inside of each and every one of us. We each have a purpose. We each have tremendous gifts. We each have something to offer. Everything we've been through in life 
is leading us towards our purpose. When we don't live out our purpose, that's when we experience pain. Science says, a behavioral scientist actually did this study and he found out that our brain is wired to help us fulfill our purpose. And we experience pain, depression, and anxiety when we do not live according to our purpose. Because all emotions become a feedback loop. It, it goes into our nervous system. Our nervous system affects our physiology. It's a feedback loop. So when we're not living according to our purpose, we experience tremendous depression or anxiety, sadness, fear. We experience all those bad things because we're not living according to our true purpose. And we have to learn to focus on life on only what we can control. And only what we can control is our effort and our attitude. We have to stop trying to control what people think. We have to stop trying to control everything external. The only thing that we can control is what's internal, which is our effort and our attitude. We only can control our responses to life. So we get so bent out of shape when things don't go our way. And maybe sometimes things don't go our way for a reason, but we have to learn how to trust the process. We have to learn the lesson because maybe that door shut because maybe we're not supposed to go through that door. And maybe instead of getting discouraged and trying to force ourselves into that door, maybe there's a door open on the other side that we're not paying attention to. But there's always a way. And sometimes we don't always see that way. So that's why we have to surround ourselves with people and go through and, 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 and learn tactics and different things of how to change our perspective on life. Because we get caught in a trap. We get caught in this cycle of depression because what happens is we feel an emotion. That emotion becomes a feeling. Then that feeling becomes a state of mind. And then once that state of mind happens, it becomes a behavior. Then that behavior becomes an addiction. And then we're trapped in this darkness. And this darkness becomes deep, deep depression. And then once we feel that deep depression, it always leads to suicidal thoughts. So what I'm trying to teach everyone or help everyone to understand, we have to learn how to understand our emotions so our emotions don't go into feelings and our feelings don't go into a state of mind and then that state of mind becomes our behavior and those behaviors become habits. We have to stop it or nip it in the bud and recognize our emotions. We can't be afraid of our emotions. We have to address our emotions. We have to understand our emotions. We can't hold pain on the inside. We have to learn how to deal with the pain that's on the inside. Because if we hold on to the pain, it's going to eat us up from the inside out. So we have to learn the proper ways of how to deal with the pain that we actually go through. 
But one of the keys is, is we have to stop comparing ourselves to other people. What's inside of our head is not always our thoughts, but it's the thoughts of other people in our past who were telling us that we weren't good enough, that we're nothing, unlovable, not pretty enough, that we that we don't look good enough in, in certain ways physically, that we're not smart. And we have to get those thoughts out of our head. So we have the thoughts of other people in our lives, and then we have our own objections about ourselves. But our objections come from the thoughts of other people that planted those seeds in our minds when we were actually growing up. And we have to recognize that those thoughts are not our thoughts. Those thoughts are the thoughts of people who did not see our value. Words are very, very powerful. It's written in the word of God that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Words can heal or they can destroy. And we have to be very careful about what we speak into the lives of others or what we allow others to speak into our lives. Now, here's an interesting thing. Interesting thing. When we say cruel things to other people, it also affects us because our brain only hears the words and it doesn't know who we're talking to. So our brain thinks we're talking to ourselves. Like if we call someone else stupid or dumb, then our brain believes that we just called ourselves stupid or dumb. Because usually when we say those things, we're deflecting already what we feel about ourselves. So we have to learn, because when we learn to appreciate ourselves, when we learn and see our value, then we will learn and see the value in other people. And when we see the value in ourselves, when we deal with the emotional pain and the trauma of our past, the process won't be evil. I mean, <laughs> the process, sorry about that. The, the process won't be easy. It won't be easy. The process will be hard. It's written that if you sow in tears, you will reap in joy. So, everything that's uncomfortable will lead us to a place of freedom and joy and peace if we embrace it. Our blessings are on the other side of our fears. We have to stop letting the opinions of other people destroy us. We have a poverty mindset. A poverty mindset focuses on 
what we lack, not on what we have. A mindset of wealth is a mindset of gratitude. It means you trust more in life. That you know that infinite wisdom, the creator, the divine one, God, the universe, has your best interests in mind. We have to learn to sit down and appreciate and focus on the things that we do have instead of what we don't have. And we have to learn how to live continuously from that mindset of gratefulness. When we change our expectations, we will develop an appreciation and our whole life will begin to transform. Our belief or our lack of gratitude is what makes us feel unloved. So many times we're focused on who don't love us or who does not love us instead of those who do love us. A lot of times when we look around, we'll realize that we have people there who do love us. Like I said the other week, it's our expectations of love. The universe and life balances everything out. The problem is our expectations because we believe that if we love this person, this person is going to give love back. But the universe, our life may give, may give the love back through someone else. So a lot of times when we say we try so hard, we do so much, but yet and still we're not getting anything back. We're not opening our eyes and seeing all the love that surrounds us. It's like when someone, there was an illustration about when they put a dot on the middle of a, on a middle of a piece of paper and a teacher asked, what do you see? And the person said a dot. And the thing is, an object lesson is, is that that dot is our problems. And the whiteness around that dot is all our blessings. We are so focused on the dot that we miss all the blessings in our life. When we have an attitude of gratitude, our lives will transform. We have to learn to be thankful for the food that we do have because one in nine people one in nine people don't have food and are starving. Less, the, the average income of the world is less than $2. Less than $2. So when you think it, you got it rough, someone else has it just as bad as you do. There's another proverb that talks about 
I was upset because I had no shoes until I saw a man who had no feet. There's nothing new under the sun, Solomon says. Everything that has been done has already been done. There's no original thought. There's no new thought. Everything that you go through, someone else is going through. Sometimes when we go through things, we think that we're the only ones who are struggling. We feel like life has it out only for us and that life is unfair. But there are so many people who struggle just like we do. People just don't broadcast their struggles. Some people do, but a lot of people do not broadcast their daily struggles and there are a lot of people who struggle in silence and need help and don't know the way when you look at the stories of people we always look at the end but never the process of what they went through to get there most famous people most of the most influential people in the world went through rough childhoods but they made it on the top in the end and overcame a lot of obstacles most billionaires love failure because they believe that failure is life's greatest teacher when we fail in life we feel like we've been attacked that life has it out for us but we don't realize that failure just teaches us to do it another way. Or that maybe it happened because it's not our time. Or maybe it happened because we're supposed to go into another direction. We keep trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. And we need to sit down and search ourselves and find out what it is that we love the most. What is it that makes us the happiest? Because usually from our mess, we will find our message. From our pain, we will find our purpose. So we have to learn how to change our perspective in life because there are so many people out there who struggle with self-limiting beliefs just like many people Last week, I also talked about the seven basic human needs. Three of them are personal. Four of them are spiritual. The first need was certainty. Certainty deals with security. We like to know what's going to happen before it happens. We want stability. We want to know when we get into this relationship that it's going to last. We want to know that when we get into this marriage or we go to this job that they're not going to fire us. We want to know that we're going to live a long life. We want to know that if we invest this money that we're going to get a great return on it. We like certainty. The second one is uncertainty. Uncertainty is variety in life. Surprises. 
a lot of people say they like variety. They don't like doing the same mundane thing over and over again. But that's not true. We hate uncertainty. Uncertainty can be an unexpected death. Being fired from your job. The person you love breaking up with you or walking away. A loss of a pet. A loss of a friend. Someone stealing your car. Losing money. On an investment. We don't like uncertainty. The third one that is personal is significance. Everyone in this world wants to be appreciated and loved. We want to feel significant. We want to feel like we matter. But the problem is, is that we show love to people because we want love back. And so we do it because of reciprocity and not because of mutuality. We should love people because we do love them. Not because we want something back from them. And too many times we show love to people because we want it in return. And when we don't get it in return, we get upset. And then we take them from the pedestal and then we put them in the pit. Then we start to say bad things about them. Then we get angry and prideful and we get even more depressed because we don't get back what we gave out. So we, we can't find our significance in other people. But we look for significance. Whether we want to be acknowledged on our job, acknowledged by our parents, acknowledged by our spouse, acknowledged by our friends, acknowledged by a school that we attend, acknowledged in sports. People want to feel some sort of significance. The third one is a spiritual. It's loving connection. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to connect with someone. We want to have that mutuality. We want to vibe with someone. We want someone to, to, to have be on the same wavelength that we are. We want someone to have the same goals and aspirations that we actually do. We want to feel that sense of love and connection. But once again, that's our expectations. Is It's like everyone can't be like us. We have to love people for who they are because there's unity. We have to learn how to respect unity and diversity. We have to learn to love people for who they are and not for who we want them to be. I'm going to say that again. We have to learn to love people for who they are and not who we want them to be. And we usually project what we don't want onto other people, what we don't want in our lives. We want to be loved for ourselves. We don't want to have to change to make someone else love us. We want someone to see us and see the beauty that's inside of us. And we need to carry that energy out to other people. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you.
give first and then you will, will receive. The next one is growth. Everybody wants to grow in some way or the other. One of the greatest spiritual things that we, we starve for is growth. We want to become more intelligent, wiser, smarter. We just want to have an extensive knowledge about how things work, a curiosity about the universe or a curiosity about psychology or sociology, a curiosity about mathematics, a curiosity about behaviors of humans or, 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 or the study of anthropology. The next one is contribution. We all want, have a desire deep down inside of us to help other people. If you ask most people in this world, do you feel like you have a purpose and do you feel, then do you feel like you have something to offer and do you want to help people? Most people have that innate desire deep down inside of them. But we get lost along the way. Most people want to help. So we each have this desire to truly help someone else. And the last one is peace and harmony. Peace and harmony is the ultimate goal. It's the one that surrounds and encapsulates all the other ones. But the problem is, is that we work from the top to the bottom. We focus on certainty and we get depressed when we should work from the bottom up. When you focus on contributing and giving before receiving the universe, God, life will bless you. We're so focused on what we don't have that we don't realize what we do have. We all have something to offer somebody. We all can help someone in some little way. And when you do, it will multiply greatly in your life. You will see blessings come into your life when you focus more on giving than receiving. When you learn how to contribute, you will experience growth. When you learn, and then when you feel that growth, you will feel that love and that connection. And when you feel that love and connection, you will feel significant. And then once you feel significant, you're not afraid of uncertainty or variety. You love helping different demographics of people. You love going to different places. You love the challenges that you see in life because you know every challenge comes in your life to make you stronger. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. So we begin to fall in love with variety. And then we have certainty. Certainty is also faith. It's belief. When you have belief or certainty, you become unstoppable. And we need to develop a strong belief that we know that the universe 
that God, that life has our best interests in mind, that we are exactly where we need to be, that everything in life happened for a reason, and that we have everything we need already inside of us. All we have to do is take a seat and look down deep inside of us and realize and look at our lives and look at our struggle and realize that we have a message to help other people, that we have knowledge that we can share with other people, that we have something that we can do to bring people up rather than putting people down. We have to become the change that we want to see in other people. So in order, in order to truly understand our needs or what we need, the seven basic human needs, we have to understand our fears because our fears are attached to our needs. And we went over the fears last week. And we're gonna be doing a deeper dive. We're doing a deep dive right now. Because the first part of this whole thing of why I'm going so intensely in this, we have to first change our mindset. The mindset is crucial. We have to change our perspective. Number two, we have to develop a strategy. A strategy to how to maintain our mindset. And we're gonna be going over those strategies next week. Then after that, we have to we have to find some tools, some tools that are going to help us along the way. Then after we find the tools, we're going to develop some tactics, carefully planned tactics that's going to keep us on the path that we're meant to be on. And then after that, we're going to talk about massive action. Massive action with is, 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 is an exemplification of our beliefs. And our beliefs will become reality. In order to make, so when we believe, we move. You can't believe and stay stagnant and sit. You have to take massive action. Faith. Move one step at a time and we will see a tremendous change in our lives. There's a story about Roger Bannister. And some of you may have heard this story about Roger Bannister. He was the first man to break the four minute mile. They've been trying to break, they were trying to break the four minute mile for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they thought it was humanly impossible until Roger Bannister did it. In the 1950s, Roger, Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile at three minutes, 58 seconds. In a year later, three other people broke three minute mile since then thousands of people have broke 
the the four the the four minute mile. Excuse me. They've all gotten under four minutes. Even high school students. Some high school students can run under a four minute mile. So what does that say? That says that our beliefs are what propel us towards our destiny. It says that Ronald Roger, he visualized him running the race. He visualized himself breaking the record. He visualized it before it happened. And when he visualized what he wanted, he developed a sense of certainty, an unshakable belief that he could break the four minute mile and he accomplished exactly what he visualized. Without the vision, people perish. We have to learn to visualize and concentrate on what we want instead of the things that we don't want, don't want. We spend so much time focusing on things that we don't want instead of what we do want. And so we manifest the things in our lives that we don't desire instead of the things that we do desire. So we have to learn to focus on what we want to happen in life. We have to learn to focus on our dreams that were planted deep down inside of us, to not get discouraged by our self-limiting beliefs, to not get discouraged by the naysayers on the outside, to not get discouraged by your situation or the circumstances that surround you. Focus on what was planted deep down inside of your heart and focus on the dream that's inside of you. Visualize it. What the mind believes it can achieve. There's another story about a weightlifter. The 600 pound barrier. They said it was impossible for a man to bench press over 600 pounds. And this Russian weightlifter didn't believe that he can do it. He was stuck at 598 pounds, struggling with it. He tried hard and hard and he could not lift over 600 pounds. And one day his staff or his, 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 his trainers or the people he worked with decided to trick him. They put three extra pounds on the bar. And they told him, hey, that's your usual weight. And he went down, he bench pressed, and he lifted it. And he broke the record. And they told him, you just broke the record. And he's like, that's impossible. It's impossible for someone to lift or to bench 600 pounds. They said scientifically it's impossible. And they weighed it and they showed him. And he was surprised. He was shocked. And he felt good. And ever since, and when he broke that record, he was, the record only stood for two weeks. Because two weeks later, someone else broke it. Then after that, someone else broke it. Now the bench press is over a thousand pounds. We limit ourselves through our beliefs. Our potential is limitless. 
We can accomplish anything that we set our minds to, but we stand in our own way through our limiting beliefs. We have to remove the barriers out of the way. We have to stop listening to what people say. Like people keep talking about father time is undefeated. Father time is undefeated. They keep speaking that into existence. But Tom Brady, whom whom I admire, is defying the odds. He's showing you, I can get better and better with age. I can get better and better each year. Do you not even know that there was a man by the name of Li Ching Yang? Lin Ching Ying, who died at 256 years old? And he died in 1933. He was born in 1677. He was seven feet tall. He did the impossible. He lived a long, long life. And we believe that our lives are supposed to be short. That many people won't even make it to the age of 80. But this man took care of himself. And he lived past the age to the age of 256 years old I've trained many of clients that had self-limiting beliefs I've had a client over 60 years old do a 5 minute plan when I had him he had neuropathy when I first started training him he could barely walk or barely stand so I worked on his core which is the foundation of all movement. So I strengthened his core, which would help with his balance. And after working with me for almost 10 years, he was able to walk. He didn't need a cane, because when he came in, he could barely walk, he used a cane. And then when he started working with me, he didn't need a cane anymore. I strengthened his leg muscles. I focused on his core, and I worked on his self-limiting beliefs, because they said they couldn't even figure out why he had neuropathy in his feet. So it had to be something mental because the doctor said it wasn't anything physical. So it was psychological. But I helped to change his life. There are other clients that I've helped and they said that they couldn't jump on top of a box. And I had to get inside their head and assure them that I got them. I'm there for them just in case they fall and that they can do it. And it's amazing when you see the smile on people's face when they do what they believe that they could not do. We have to learn to believe in ourselves and stop the self-sabotaging. We have to get those negative voices out of our heads and believe in the impossible. There is nothing that we cannot accomplish. There is nothing that we cannot do. Those who believe they can will move mountains. You can move a mountain with unshakable belief. You can become successful by simply believing you can succeed. There is nothing mystical or magical about the power of belief. When you believe you can do something, then the how to do it develops. There is a principle in the law of physics called the Pauli Exclusion 
exclusion principle. It says that two objects cannot occupy the same space at the same time. There's a battle going on in our minds and we have to choose which persona are we going to feed the most? Are we going to see, are we going to feed our true self who can accomplish anything? Or are we going to feed those negative voices inside of our head? Because both can't occupy the same place at the same time. So what you give your attention to is what you give your power to. So today we must choose what we want to do. We have to choose to change our mindset. We have to choose to change our ideology before we can move to the strategy. So today I admonish each and every one of you to choose to become victorious, to choose to become an overcomer. And I hope that each and every one of you wrote down the list of people that you need to forgive because we have to let go of that baggage. We have to take it outside of us because it's holding us down. It's weighing us down and we have to let it go. And when we forgive, we will feel a sense of freedom. I've gone over my time a little bit today. And my time is running out, so I'm going to end with this story. The story about a little boy. A little boy who was full of mischief. Some would say he was mischievous. Bad kid. Not to put a label on him, but that's how he was described. And his little kid was one day playing in the woods. And he found this little bird. And he said, I'm going to show, I'm going to trick my grandfather. And he said, I'm going to ask my grandfather if this little bird is alive or dead because he thinks he's so smart. So he said, if when I go to my grandfather, if my grandfather says that it's alive, I'm gonna crush the bird in my hands. But if he says it's dead, I'm gonna let it fly away. So the little boy grabbed the little bird and scooped him up into his hand, little baby bird, and went and ran and found his grandfather sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair, enjoying the cool summer breeze, contemplating life. And his little kid runs up and he says, Grandfather, Grandfather, you're so wise. You're so wise. And he said, oh, what is it, son? And he says, I bet you can't guess what's in my hand. And so the little boy grabbed, put, the, put, the, put his hands up to his grandfather's ear. And he said, oh, son, that's a little bird. And he said, I bet you can't guess if it's alive or dead. 
And the grandfather pondered for a a moment and he said, it's in your hands. It's in your hands what you choose to do with your life. Remember this week, decide to live victorious. Decide to be an overcomer and know that you are loved and that you're more than a conqueror. I'm not just a conqueror. No, not just a conqueror. I'm not just a conqueror, but I'm more than a conqueror.